I'm about to beat the at this kid, bro. Uh, I'm Rafian Stocks, Bellator champion, and tune into the Don't Tap podcast. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. The Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their homework, you know what I mean? But this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. He did not tap. Let's go! Let's go! We are back. Don't tap podcast. Oh, man. Okay, so we, uh, I wasn't sure how I was feeling about the picks. Didn't start off too hot last week. Um, I know that it was a a prop play, but I, I fully saw... Um, what you saw in it with man being being able to, you know, potentially catch a counter. Um, but what did you? What was your take on that fight? And our first um, sort of loss on the podcast plays of the week. It was sort of a, our lesser of plays. It was a more of a prop play, specifically KO Tyson Nam. Talk to me. Yeah, like it was just one of those things, right? Like whenever it came to Bruno, he had a long layoff. We didn't really know where he was at, and it's a wide line for a guy that tends to put himself out there. So. But, you know, these are one of these spots, right? You take the plus money when you can. You get good bounces and bad bounces. And, you know, we learned a lot from that fight for where Bruno's at. So this is a guy that, you know, we won't be looking to fade in the future because whenever he dropped uh, Nam, he jumped right on. And then whenever Nam tried to pull that escape, he was on that uh, on that rear-naked choke, and it was slick. So, you know, I said, you live and you learn in these spots, man. And Next, we look at uh, – we had Grant – um against um a sun south and you know i think that was a lot of there's there's a mix of decisions and, and knockouts right but i think as these guys further their careers that finish was coming um man when that point was taken i was like yes 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 grant's gonna go for it now because we were we were fight doesn't go the distance at plus 110 at point of um podcast it went up to plus 115 and even bigger in some books um i think it was a sharp spot because i thought both guys could finish it at any time also, both guys could run a very smart uh, game plan and maybe a little more grapple-heavy that never led to a submission. But what what a submission? What was your take on that one? Davy Grant dropped some rocks, some reverse triangle with gra- grabbing the torso. It was vicious. Yeah, like that was that was impressive, man. Like obviously that one came down to the wire on our bet on that one. But at the end of the day, man, he still got it done. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy on that, but. I read over what the ref said afterwards, and the ref said that the reason why he stood them up was because the fence grab caused um, him to not be taken down, but it also put David Grant on top. So if he would have just taken yep. the point and put him back in the position, David Grant actually would have been on top of him. So just a clarification on where we got to with that. But yeah, man, it was one of the sickest uh, submissions we've ever seen. And in all fairness, like a sunset was doing good, but he had no business being on the feet there. So whenever Grant started to light him up, Game over. Then we had Nurmagomedov, who we've faded in the past, and Jonathan Martinez, who we I wouldn't really even say. We, I think we reluctantly faded in the past when he fought Cub Swanson, just more because we went with Swanson. We sort of got, I guess, we had that whimsical thought of Swanson going in there with the power and the history and the, the vet status. But, man, Jonathan Martinez put on a, a show on him. And then, you know, he wins the decision, and people are going back and forth on that and say whatever the hell they want. But Jonathan Martinez what a performance man um the guy just for me i think it was a a a step up in competition he was able to go in there and implement a game plan um solidly and i just for me i was just happy with the dog pick we we were on that pretty sharp both of us um jonathan martinez rides let's roll let's go factory x that's it man and then i said like a lot of people will be like as you said they go back and forth on the decision 
the decision could have gone either way. The only clear, decisive round for me was the second one. Um, and I said, like, the third round, you know, you really got to gauge how much, like, the back control would have really taken into effect. Because whenever it's back on the feet, Martinez was landing the much better strikes and was actually in positions where, you know, he was not on his way to finishing the fight, but, you know, showing the advancement. And whenever that fight ends at three rounds, whenever that last round is the judgment one, right? You really got to question the judge's thinking, what's that going to look like in the fourth round? And if you're judging it that way, then you assume that Martinez is up. So, and at the end of the day, you can say whatever you want about Saeed. Like, the guy came in, I think he closed like minus 280, like something I've seen. And he in no way, shape, or form looked like a three-to-one favorite. No. So. No, I mean, and we sort of talked about that, right? Like, having a guy at that level of, of J-Mart at that level and that plus money, these two fight 10 times. Maybe Jamar doesn't win every time. And I think we know that. I think this would be a highly contested fight every time. And depending on how the judges see it or how it's finished inside, you know. So that money was easy to, to go at. And I had a great dog pick for both of us. Um, and he was the dog pick, which sort of led us off of Volkov versus Romanov. And I know that we sort of put out like the live bet, like most people did. Beyond the first round, it was no mystery if Romanov fell off um you know a cliff that was it i think we obviously not i think we know that we put too much stake in even that um and what we didn't look at was the strength of schedule the level of schedule the level of fighter and the step up in competition it was a huge difference in there and volkov made a point i think he he wanted to make a point with that one because a lot of people were looking at romanov um as the the favorite so take it away on that one yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, we probably should have put more emphasis on Volkov there. Like, I bet the plus 300 um, KO prop just because, like, I figured if he's going to win, it's going to be Romanov tiring and stuff like that anyways. Um, I just think that there's a lot of people that are pretty heavy on Romanov, and, like, you weren't getting a lot of value on Volkov in that sense in a fight that he very could have easily lost. So I, that's the reason why I didn't want to go heavy on it was because, as I said, like, you know, if Romanov comes in and does what Romanov does and gets him to the ground, we know Volkov is relatively uncomfortable off his back. And he was coming off that loss to Aspinall, which really raised some red flags on, you know, what was his submission defense going to be like? Because that's what Romanov's known for. So that makes sense. Yeah. Said, you learn from it's that still, It still felt like one of those dirty spots there where I was like, yeah, I thought so. You know, like I, I just, I felt like the levels were there. I think that Romanov has been exposed more than once and um, just, when you the guy you feel like is that's gonna win the fight almost hundred percent, that's how I felt honestly. But he's at plus money. <sighs> I, yeah, I think we missed the spot. We still touched it up a little bit, but I think we could have you know referenced that a little bit better and, and just maybe faded Romanov a little bit more. But um, then we move to the main event. Obviously, I know that we're skipping over one, but um, moving to the main event, which was sort of another play a little bit. We were on Yawn. If if you did any anybody did any parlays, Yawn was the the tail end of the parlay pretty much. And what a performance! I, I can't not talk about the performance um, of De- Devalish really, um, the amount of takedown shots. People were shitting on it. I, I'm sorry. That was relentless. He mixed in enough, enough stand-up for me, and I thought it was an amazing performance. What was your thoughts on the main event? Yeah, um, I think we got to start questioning where Jan's at in his career. Like, because as I said, like, he really hasn't looked the same. And it's one of these, these guys that we can only go back to the well with so many times before. Like, he needs, like, a drastic drop down in competition. I know the number next to his name isn't going to move that much. But, like, I think he should fight somebody outside of the top 15, kind of figure out where he's at with this because he just looked gun-shy. I think with the answer that he's probably not necessarily the better fighter, but definitely has the better skill set. But it's just Marab put a pace on him where he really just couldn't figure out at all. So props to Marab. 
I still hate him for destroying everything I love with Jose Aldo, but you know, good for him. And um, he's got to figure out what he wants to do next. Cause saying he doesn't want to fight Sterling is not a good look when you're probably looking at a number contender, number one contender spot. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember who it was that had mentioned it, whether it was the broadcast or not, but like, you only get so much of a window. You only get a certain amount of opportunity. And I think it's, although it's being presented as this, you know, great brotherhood and bromance and love story. Um, it's almost like a selfish scenario. And I mean, Aljamain's not doing anything wrong, but it's like, I don't know, talk to him, tell him to go up or down a weight class. Get like, I can't see him. He's just risking by waiting around one or two more fights is his plan. Right. And then Aljamain's supposed to defend the title a couple more times. That's their grand plan. He's going to exit and Marab enters. Um, there's a really good chance to, uh... There's a really good chance Cejudo beats him in a couple of months, so. Dude, Cejudo is so smart. And honestly, man, he's started – I never liked him before for his cringiness. But his fight IQ is – Yeah, second to none, man. Second Against – in the Yawn fight, he broke down Yawn's shell up and how that was going to be hugely problematic with the takedowns. It was a beautiful breakdown. Cejudo, man, I'm coming around. I'm, I'm coming around, and, man, uh, he might be the champ and be the problem for everybody in the division. Uh, moving forward, I just fight IQ is so huge, and we don't, you know, we talk about that all the time. So, all right, let's dig into what is an absolutely amazing card that is going to be filled with fight of the nights. It's going to be filled with, you know, the chanting of the English crowd. I'm, I'm absolutely, I think we're past five minutes now, fucking stoked for this pay per view. Um, what is showing the amount of fights that are on this card? I already have my dog picked. I hope we're on the same side. But let's dig in. All right. So first we have the main event. We have Leon Rocky Edwards coming in against Kamaru Usman in the rematch, the main event of what was possibly one of the greatest moments in sports. And I don't know if there's anybody in sports that would argue with it, the way it lined up, the, the, the story leading up to the whole fight, Edwards being overlooked by everybody. He goes into the fight. He's getting owned all the way through. And he comes back with a huge vicious head kick right at the end after being called on by his coach to get in there and do something and believe in himself. And he lands the perfect head kick and wins the belt. Is it a strike of lightning? Or do we have now a scenario where he can use this last win to his, his advantage over Usman? Man, this is a good one. Um, so we got Leon Rocky Edwards, 23-0 and 0 versus Kamaru Usman, 22 Sorry, 22 and 0. Um, best bet stamp bet could be had. Uh, Usman minus 222 at Cool Bet, and Edwards could be had at plus 205 at Pinnacle. Yeah, man. <clears throat> um, I like Usman in the spot a lot, man. Um, like I said, like I'm one of these people that. Like, generally, I'd stay away from this, but I literally just think Usman's a much better fighter. I don't think much of Leon Edwards. I do agree with you that it was one of the greatest moments. John Anik literally calling it is something that's going to go down in sports history. But I just think whenever this, whenever you really have to break down this fight, like, there's nowhere that Leon really beats Usman. Um, I think Usman's going to be far more aggressive in this fight. I think he's obviously going to be a little more cautious given what happened in the last one. But... I really see him taking him down, really going for the kill on this one. And to be honest, I like Usman by finish at plus 260. I think he's probably just going to be overly aggressive. We saw that in his last couple of fights prior to this one, you know, where he dropped Gilbert Burns, KO'd Masvidal Stiff. Like, and I really think he's going to want to make a statement on this one and make, because like, if this fight gets close, then, you know, we're tied again. And then it's, you know, I don't think he wants to run this one back again. So 
See, and that this fight is full of narrative and you're running some logic like applied to what's happened. Also, now you're, you're running a little bit of narrative and I'm going to be throwing narratives out there too with this one. I think everybody really is, right? It's hard to when you've already had such a story um, storybook type of fight. But yes, the, the reality of the fact is if that fight went the full distance, um, Usman wins, right? He was he was dominating him in that fight, mixing in the wrestling just enough. Uh, maybe not enough, actually. Obviously, we know not enough. And I think he should have went to that maybe by the end of the, the third round and just laid on it for the rest of the fight. Um, but Usman, um, there's some things here that are sort of bugging me with this one, right? Because rightfully so, the wrestler, the the dominant champion should come back here and take his belt back off of the, you know, the, the head strike that isn't really just lightning. It is a beautifully set up strike by one of the highest level strikers in the UFC. And he is. He's one of the highest level kickboxers that's out there. The aggressiveness at times and his belief in himself, I think, has been the issue. And this is where we could actually potentially look at a little bit of a narrative here. You know, already knocking Usman out on the feet, having that confidence going into a striking exchange. I'm looking forward to hearing what Mike Bellat has to say about that. I, I might even talk to Josh Hill about that as well, too, just to sort of see what their opinion is on that. You know, if you've been knocked out by a guy, what, like, what, what could you think his mindset could be like going into that? Is it going to be a problem? Is he going to be overthinking? Um, on, and that too, like if it stays on the feet even at all, for whatever reason, I'll get into that in a minute. I think Edwards has more confidence now and lights him the fuck up. Because I think that um, Usman, that, although he has a nice jab, I think his boxing has been overrated. I think people talk so much about it so highly. He needs to get to what he needs to get to, which is his wrestling. That being said, he has been riddled with injuries. And there's a lot of talk about this. And I don't know if this is where mentally and physically maybe the wheels are just not going to be riding too much longer and they're going to come off so that's also a possibility of this he he literally is one of the most injured guys he's he said it himself on most on interviews and podcasts um his knees are a mess so if he doesn't get to his shots early and often the man is gonna be a problem he's gonna be on his feet but that also once again now we're back in narrative though that plays into your narrative he's gonna want to get it done early get it get get it in and out and get him done with go to his wrestling try to submit him or tko him on the ground so this could go back and forth but when i have a whole bunch of narratives and i have a, a guy who's already knocked that the prior the prior champion out in this long wind diatribe shite i'm gonna take edwards and i think both guys could go in there and implement different game plans to win i think Usman wins at a higher clip but i still think that at plus 205 i'm gonna take Edwards. i'm gonna take him at plus 200 and over so right now, we're going to hammer the spot. If you don't get to it before fight time and it's under plus 200, I'm not going to touch it because there's a higher probability of Usman just coming through and running running through with his wrestling and mauling him and finishing him. But there's so much out there that I like plus one. I don't hate it, man. That's that is very possible. You could be looking at the tail end of Usman's career. I just don't think Leon Edwards is, is that guy, to be honest. I think, as I said, even standing, I think that Usman is – going to be able to be overly competitive with them and maybe even look like the better striker but we'll see it's going to be an exciting fight overrated striking home overrated striking but we will move on to striking that is not overrated um holy shit Rafael Ziv. uh this man is i mean i've already said that that edwards is possibly one of the best kickboxers in in the ufc and I think that Fiziev is is as well too. He's he's up there, and the way he sets up his, his combinations, the way he actually sets up his big shots, um, he doesn't pot shot. He's everything is calculated. It's it's two to three punch combinations all the time, and everything comes with help. So we will take a look. We have um, 
Vaziv coming in 12, 1 and 0, minus 225 favorites. Uh, can be had a B win versus Gaethje, 23, 4 and 0. Can be had plus 200 at cool bets. Um, I think this is really, the, this is a pretty simple thing. Although Justin Gaethje um, has fallen in love with the striking re in recent years, we've had this conversation many times. This is a time where he needs to go to his wrestling. He needs to use what he's learned in his striking to get to his wrestling and be dominant on the ground. And if he wants to smash someone's skull, do it there. Don't do it on the feet because if he does it, he's probably going to get hit two or three to one on his wider, bigger strikes. At times, Gaethje has looked amazing in his boxing, but his head, he can jump in and out of that, right? He can go into what Trevor Whitman's doing for him in his game plan, um, but then he can also just sort of fall off a cliff and start throwing big shots. It's worked for him. Um, but I think he gets, needs to get to his wrestling. I think that's the only way he wins this one. But also a former champion at plus 200 or bigger, I'm really confused on this card and I'm, I'm having a tough time. I'm probably going to end up staying off of a pick. Well, I'll, I'll make a pick for this one, but I'm probably going to end up staying off a play for this one because it's. I almost want to take a shot at Gaethje, but I think that Fuziev, if, if they're on the feet, I think he's going to be able to set him up. Um, so what's your take on this one? I, I'm going to lean Fuziev. I, th I think he does it. Um, I think he's my pick. But man, if that goes over plus 200 again, I mean, almost by rights, I, I may have to look at Gaethje by weigh-ins. <clears throat> what's your shot? What's your thoughts on this one? I'm a lot more confident in the favorites on this card than you seem to be. Um, I like Fazeev, man. I like Fazeev all day. I think that Justin Gaethje, God bless his soul, it has one of the worst fight IQs in the UFC. Agreed. On top of that, his takedown accuracy in the UFC is 0% because he does not shoot takedowns. He's never even landed a takedown in the UFC. Um, but it's there. It's But not, I don't even think it's there against Fazeev. So if you go over Fazeev's last couple fights... He fought RDA, known for taking people down and smash them. Riddell, which who has great takedowns. Moicano and DeCasey. Well, DeCasey wasn't really, you know, a wrestler whenever they fought. But nonetheless, as we've seen in DeCasey's resurgence, he's a wrestler. Um, I just think the striking is just going to be way too different. Like, Gaethje's one of these guys, man. He's a brawler at heart. He's not very good at setting up his strikes. And he wins fights that people are willing to give to him in the sense that he can only win whenever you're willing to engage in a brawl. That's generally when he clips people. The Michael Chandler fight. Michael Chandler was doing decent, and then Michael Chandler decided to block punches with his face by just winging wild shots with Gagey. But on the small off chances that Chandler was being a little bit technical with the striking, Justin Gagey looked a little bit more outmatched. And Fazeev, the guy's got great fight IQ. I think he's just going to be a complete striking clinic. Um, I trust Gaethje's chin enough to assume that this fight's probably going to go three rounds, but I think it's going to be a relatively dominant performance from uh, Fazeev. Yeah, as I said, maybe, maybe it's just the the old head of me that just whenever I see former champion guys have been around for a while, I, I put too much thought into it. But th that's why this one will probably end up being a stay off for me. But I, I think I'm still looking at that Edwards line. You're not you're not talking me off too, motherfucker. You're not talking me off too. Just um, remember this, okay? Uh, Gaethje's only wins in the UFC are Chandler, Ferguson, Cerrone, and James Vick. All right, you put it that way. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. No, but like I said, I wasn't. I'm not leaning towards him. It's just once you hit a certain line with a guy that has dynamite in his hands, even that alone is almost enough. Next one on the card, we have Gunnar Nelson and Brian Barbarena. Gunnar Nelson can be had right now minus. 333 at cool bets at 18, five and one Barbarena right now can be had plus 350 dog at DraftKings. Um, 
his record being 13-9-0. So, man, I, I don't know. This is a, definitely an interesting one. We know what Nelson's going to look to do. He has sort of a karate style that he uses with his kicks to keep distance until he wants to close the distance. Um, decent stand-up, but, uh, you know, he's going to want to get this to the ground. We know that. Barbarena is hellfire in a barn. Um, the man just likes to throw craziness and, and push pace and, and sort of catch you late in fights. That's typically his go-ahead. But uh, I want you to take away uh, on this one and, and lead off with this one. We have Nelson, the grappler, Barbarena, the hellfire bringer. What do you think? Yeah, I think this fight's probably one of the biggest stayaways on the card. Just because Gunnar Nelson hasn't looked great. His only win in the last like five years is over Takashi Sato. In a fight where he should have easily got a submission and chose just to ride the backpack the whole time. Um, Brian Barbary, you know, always game. Absolute dog shit takedown defense, though, where Gunnar Nelson should be able to capitalize on it. It's just, it's hard to trust a guy like Nelson this late in his career. Generally fights like once a year. He lands 1.86 strikes per minute. Only lands about one takedown per fight. Very low volume. Very low um, takedowns. It's just, it's a fight he should ride, but the line's so wide that I would just suggest not touching it. Because if there's somebody that's going to fuck your parlay, it's a good possibility it's going to be Gunnar Nelson this weekend. I don't know if there is maybe a value in, in live betting that. Because I think that Nelson will get him down whenever he really wants to. But if you do sort of see something in the first round where Barbarina is getting to his chin and touching him and not really scared of him and, and forcing a game plan on him, I mean, maybe, but I think that the pressure applied by Barbarina is going to leave him exposed for takedowns. And we're going to probably see a top heavy game from Nelson, maybe even ride a decision that's going to be real greasy with some some big shots from Barbarina. And uh, I, I would agree. Maybe there's a live shot in there somewhere, but I, I don't really want any part of this as far as um, going to the window with it. But uh, I'll lean Nelson just for the fact that he is that high level with grappling. And I think that he could potentially hold down Barbarina and, and do some damage and maybe, you know, get a couple of submission attempts and uh, maybe even get him out of there. Who knows? But um, I'll lean Nelson. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to stay away from it. A little bit volatile. Um, next fight on the card, we have Jennifer Maya coming in at 20 and 9 against Casey O'Neill coming in at 9 and 0. Casey coming off of. Um, you know, an, an injury, or she had an injury and then surgery on her knee. Um, so now Casey O'Neill back, and she is the favorite. Um, right now, she can be had at uh, BetMGM for minus 185, best bet stamp bet. And Jennifer Maya can be had at FanDuel plus 148 dog, best bet stamp bet. This is a, a tough one, man, because if this was maybe Maya of a couple fights ago, I'd maybe not um, be so hesitant. I, I think this is a O'Neill ride, but man, I don't know if I want to put any any stakes near it because I think that Maya looked great in her last fight. I think the stand-up looked pretty solid and the takedowns are always there. So, um, But with O'Neal, she's just violence. It's just violence. That's what it comes down to. Um, Maya's going to have to look for uh, takedowns against O'Neal and that's sort of going to have to be her play. But if she stands on the feet, I think O'Neal's more opportunistic with her elbows and vicious striking. Um, I think that she is the play on this one. But Man, I don't know. I, I mean, the strategy everybody's saying is just bet, spam bet dogs. Um, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I'm probably going to stay off this one. What's your thoughts on this one? Jennifer Maya, Casey O'Neill. Uh, another one, man, where I think the favorite's rightfully favored. Um, Jennifer Maya is not somebody I really have a lot of stock in. She has faced the higher level of competition coming into this with fights with fights with Moroza, Fiala, Chukagan, and uh, I. But 
I just think with Casey O'Neill, she definitely has a higher ceiling. She lands almost nine strikes per minute. She's super aggressive, and she shoots at the hips whenever she can. She's got lots of submission wins, lots of TKO ground-to-pound wins. She goes to the finish, and Maya is just kind of low volume. She likes to be a bully in her fights, and whenever she can't and starts getting pushed back, then she ends up being uncomfortable and kind of her volume drastically drops off. So I like Casey O'Neill. Once again, like it is a wide line for a fight that's probably going to go all 15 minutes, and each fighter probably will have their moments in it. But I think Casey O'Neill rides to a decision in this one. Yeah, I wish the line was a little bit tighter. If it actually was, I may just make that a, a money line play, just like if she was under minus 150 or something. But um, See, it's way. definitely wide. Yeah, it's a, it's a little a little wide. I just especially based off of Maya's last performance, especially based off that. So, next fight in the card we have Marvin Vittori against Roman Delize. We have Vittori coming in at minus two fifty six, favored, chalk favored, um, on cool bet against Delize, plus two fifty at drafting. And, and I get right now the wide line based on strength of schedule. I get that we're we're in another scenario where we have someone sort of coming down though the rankings and someone moving up the rankings potentially um this is a a big fight for um Vittori I think he needs to definitely do something pretty big in this fight to make a statement um but and by that I mean he could just dominate for three rounds and that could be a big statement too but man I, I've been on the Deliza trend I've obviously Whitaker we have the Whitaker loss for Vittori Whitaker's one of the best fighters in, in the UFC hands down Right. So we know that the level's there. There's Costa, Adesanya, Holland, and Hermanson. Big, big ones. Then we have, um, you know, Delizze's side of it. He's just recently beat Hermanson, Haas, Dawkins, uh, Starpoli, and Giles. So we know that there's a difference in, in strength of schedule, but Delizze's on a ride, man. And I'm oh, sorry, he didn't beat Giles. He lost to Giles, my bad. Um, but in, in those, in his last couple fights, he's been more. Uh, aggressive, more explosive, more opportunistic, not just grinding out wrestling. He's been landing big shots. Lidze is a very live motherfucking dog. Um, I don't see why anybody wouldn't want to try to take a shot at this one. Vittori, although um, has some decent stand-up, he really gets touched. You know, and I know he has a brick for a head, but a brick for a head only lasts so long. And when you have a monster in front of you that can submit you and knock you out, and I get that Vittori's wrestling strong, but if he gets clipped and subbed, I mean, it's not going to be very strong when, when Delize is on his back and taking his neck. So what's your take on this one? I got Delize as my dog of the week. If we can be on the same side of this, that will be the dog of the week. Delize, Vittori. <clears throat> Unfortunately, man, I'm not on the same side as you. I think this is a bad matchup for Delize. Delize is normally a relatively slow fighter. And the last couple of fights have been fights that have been not necessarily given to him. But like, so we look at Kyle Doggins, right? Delize closed the plus 245 favorite. He literally landed that knee and just put him away right away. It wasn't really much time for the fight to get going. Phil Haas, Phil Haas pretty much broke his ankle. Not that Delizia wasn't piecing him up in that fight to begin with. But, and then he ended up getting him out of there, close as a plus 163 dog. And against Jack Hermanson, man. Jack Hermanson just, I don't I don't know what's going on with that guy, man, but he does not look like the same fighter he used to be. And Delizia closed as a plus 195 dog. I think with Marvin Vittori, I said it's just a bad matchup for Delice to have to spend three minutes or three rounds in there with him because Vittori is super aggressive. There's no way Roman's gonna be able to control the pace on this because regardless if Roman tries to, the uh, Vittori is gonna be standing in the middle throwing bombs with him, shooting takedowns. And I said I think just stylistically, like I think Roman needs to be pushing the pressure. 
to win this fight, and I don't see a world where Vittori lets that happen. I just think uh, it scrambles. He's going to get elbowed in the face. I think that brick of a head's going to get cracked. I just think he's going to get caught, man. Uh, I'd like to see it. I prefer Roman. Recency bias. I just think he's been hit so much in his in his last fights, win or lose or draw. Like you can only have a brick head for so long, man. Like it, it only lasts so long, and he gets touched. So it's like I, I know he has power in his shots, and I know that he's also there as, as a potential TKO or KO for, uh, potential there too. But um, his wrestling really is probably the biggest thing. Is, is obviously his wrestling and his pace that he can push. Um, but man, I, I don't know. I'm 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 gonna stick to my guns on this one. This may be well, we already owe one Shuey, but this may be have to be a Shuey bet. Then it's a good live bet too, if you think about it, because I said like you're gonna find out real quick if uh, Roman can keep uh, the pressure going because Vittori starts strong and ends strong. So this fight starts off and Roman's starting to get in the strikes, and you can see the fact that the tide's gonna turn a little bit. You probably get some. You still get some of that value on Roman. Here's the way I fade myself a bit, but you might be on the same side as me. Although. I think one of the biggest plays that most people would think was Vittori wins by decision. I'm thinking that Delize gets him out of there. But I think if Delize also fades hard, he could get taken out of there as well, too. So what's fight doesn't go? Let's see. Do we got a little because Vittori's a guy they think is going to go the distance in, in a lot of cases. So do we get a number that's decent because they think that? Let's see. Fight doesn't go... Where are we at here? Fight doesn't go to decisions plus 150 right now. What do you think? Do you think this goes to the decision? Do you think it is a Vittori decision? I think your best way to play this is um, Roman deletes a decision, no action. Because I think if this goes 15 minutes, Vittori probably wins. The line you get on DraftKings is not out yet. You probably get around even money on it. Because I think you're right. I think if this fight ends, it's probably in Roman's favor. Okay. We'll we'll take a look and see how we can uh, make that work. Because I think that there's definitely something there. Maybe even look at uh, a a two-way play where you play uh, Vittori by decision and then uh, fight doesn't go. I think no matter what way we look at it, I may, I may just, uh, even for myself, if it doesn't end up being a play, I may tailor back on the Delize um, dog, but then also still hit that plus 150 finish inside the distance as a, you know, because then it gives me a little bit more room, no matter what way it goes. Honestly, either- the, for a dog on this card, man, like, Delicia is not the worst one to go with. Like, there's going to be somebody on this card that's going to screw your parlay because it's, it's a card full of chalky favorites. So... Delice has been cashing plus money tickets four fights in a row. So I do not hate it at all. All right, we'll take a look. But, but by the time we get to the end of it all, we'll uh, break down the picks and see where, where it all hashes out. Next fight on the card, we have Jack Shore, 16-1-0 against Makwan, your boy, Amir Khani, 17-8-0. Right now, Jack Shore can be had minus 476 on Cool Bet, uh, best bet stamp bets. Makwan, Amir Khani, um, Plus 405 at Pinnacle. I know you're tempted. I know you're tempted. Um, right now, we, we, I mean, we've been looking at this. Jack Shore, though, pretty solid fighter, man. He's got some solid stand-up, works behind his job pretty well. But also, you know, obviously his mainstay is, is his uh, his grappling game. Um, he wants to get the fight to the ground. And, and that being said, against Ricky Simone, he got touched up, tagged up, and 
subbed out, man. I mean, I know it was more of an opportunistic off of the, the drop sub, but we were waiting for a fade and it happens. And it, it's not just because, you know, Jack Shore isn't that good. I think he gets potential to be that good, but there's been moments in fights where you're like, I don't know what's happening, what's going on. And, and you know, you're sweating and white knuckling it because you're on Jack Shore minus 300 or minus whatever. Um, I don't know if this is a spot where we want to fade Shore, but I know that you love your boy. Um, Amir Khani. I mean, really, he's an opportunistic submission guy as well, too. So, but on the feet, I mean, I don't think he presents much of anything. Um, a decent stand up, but I, I think that Shore's going to be able to to be smart in that game. He's going to have to try to catch a neck, Amir Khani. I mean, um, in a scramble or something. I, that's potential there. But with the line being so wide, I know where you might be going with this. So, take it away. Uh, to be honest, where I'm going with this fight, this fight doesn't go the distance. It's minus 280. You're getting a half-tier line between Jack Shore, and you're not paying a bunch of um, – you're not getting the plus money. You can get a Mark 1. But, like, if there's something I always do with Mark 1 fights is I bet the submission. I did it against Laurent Murphy, although I was heavily on the, the Laurent Murphy side. Um, did it against Grundy. I literally cashed a plus. I think it was, like, 1,200 ticket with Grundy – or with Mark 1 first, one, uh, first round submission. It's just an auto bet for me. It's cashed multiple times. Um, I do think Jack Shore is probably the side. I think the line is extremely wide. And I think this is, once again, one of those fights you should probably stay away from. He's coming back off a tough loss. He got rocked and dropped pretty heavily against Ricky Simone and then got subbed out. Um, it was a pretty brutal loss. And this is one of these things, right? Like, Jack Shore is an up-and-coming star. This is his first time dealing with adversity. And it's kind of like, what year does this guy go from here? This shouldn't be an auto bet. This should not be a parlay piece. This should just be one of these fights where people like us sit back, watch, and say, okay, how is he going to bounce back from this? Because he's either going to be a shell of himself or he's going to come in there and fuck up Mach 1. <laughs> so, but submission, fight ends in submission. What's the number line right now? I don't know if we will get that. You sort of like that as a play. Just a fight ends in submission. Yeah, I do not have a line on that one right now. So maybe parlay fight doesn't go, and then fight ends in submission will maybe be a play of the week. Um, not all books were obviously offer that, but um, a lot do. So, okay. Yeah, like even um, Americani by submission right now is plus 475. So if you get Americani by submission round one, you're looking at like plus 1,400. So you know I'm going to have to hit that because Jack Shore is going to wrestle. And Mark one is live as shit in the first round. So. All right. Well, hammer it up. If it's got ROI for you, you can't not hit, hit that up. Um, but I think if we can find a fight engine submission, that'll be the potentially one of the podcast plays of the week. I like it. Next fight on the card, we have the Scotsman, Chris Duncan, coming in 9-1-0 and oh in a fight, which is the early pick for you that I didn't get out because I'm an asshole. Um, against Omar Morales, 11-3-0, and, oh, and we have Duncan coming in, um, like I would say, 9-1, plus 100 bet MGM dog um, against minus 120 favored at cool bet Morales, 11-3, and three, his record. So, I mean, with this one, I'll let you take it away. I think we're on either side of this one, and more so just because this really feels like Pickham, and I don't know if I have a strong feel for who would win if they fought 10 times. I think this goes back and forth. So, um, what's your take on this one? Duncan, the Scotsman, against Morales. Yeah, so like the line is taking a little bit of movement, but it's getting a little bit of buyback now. Um, this fight was a pick em, but now you got Omar with being a slight favorite. Um, I just I said 
I like Omar in this fight just because I think he's just a much better technical striker. And he, I think he's a much better wrestler. Where Duncan, in his fight in the contender series, he got rocked bad. He was able to come back. But I think with Omar fighting a higher level of the competition in the UFC and kind of facing some of the adversity he has, I think this is a very winnable fight for him and a fight to get him back on track. He fights out of a very good gym. And I think that he'll be able to ground Duncan, probably wear out the stamina. And once he loses his power, with all due respect, Duncan isn't that great of a fight, uh, great of a fighter. He relies heavily on the fact that he can get punched and give one back. So I think as long as Omar stays out of danger, chooses not to engage in a barn burner fight like we were talking about Justin Gaethje earlier, I think that he'll be able to ride this one out and probably get Duncan out of there late. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. I just, uh, I don't know, man. The way Duncan was able to get dropped and then come back and the, just the way he presents so much power in his hands, it's a, it's a huge issue. Um, I'm going to do a Sadiq Yusuf breakdown right now. So, um, you know, I'm of Scottish roots and uh, my dad's <laughs> name is Duncan. So uh, I'm going to go with Chris Duncan. No, um, Chris Duncan's been putting in some pretty intensive camps down in America Top Team. I think he's been down there twice since his last fight um, and been down there training his ass off. Um, working with Jorge Masvidal, working with a lot of people um, on a stand-up game. So I think that um, defensively, he will be better. But I do see what you're saying in the step-up competition. I think that's a huge a huge thing there and, and as far as what Morales has seen. But the wrestling really is the story. If Morales goes to the wrestling, I think that's the huge disadvantage for Duncan. I think he's going to get be able to get taken down. And then that's where Morales might be able to ride. But if he doesn't go to his wrestling, man, I, you can be cleaner in your striking than he is. He's more technical. But Duncan, if he stays live... I mean, this could be a live bet depending on if it were to go into a second round with the dynamite that Duncan maybe possessed, possesses in his hands. Um, and if Morales maybe sort of shined on him a little bit in the first round, this could be a look at, at it. But for me, there will be no official, um, you know, play. But I will actually, Morales, I'll, I'll be with you on this one. I have to actually go against, you know, being a fan here. <laughs> I'm a fan of Duncan. I'm Scottish. It's, it is legit. I, I have been following him for a while now, but uh, I, I just got to look at that wrinkle of wrestling. I think it's going to be the difference in this one. So, well, I'm still with you on the pick. I'm not sure I want to make it a podcast pick, but I'll make it a Nick pick of the week if you like. Sure. All right, brother. Okay. So, I mean, hey, I'm on Delizze, Edwards, and Gaethje, right? No, I'm on physique, but um, <laughs> just making fun of myself because I'm, I'm dog heavy this week. What happened? There was a point in time, I'm telling you, where you were more dog heavy and I've shifted. There's still a few to come. All right, we'll see. All right. Next fight on the card, we have Sam Patterson, 10 and 1 against Yamal Ashmosh. Hopefully, I said that right. 6 and 0. Oh. Um, for this one, we have Patterson coming in at a pretty wide line for people that are sort of pretty well virtually unknown. I know Patterson has a little bit of hype behind him, um, but mine is 263 favorite for Patterson. Um, at cool bet against Ashmosh. Um, plus 235, I So I'm going to let you take this one away. We got the long-rangey fighter in Sam Patterson against the pretty well-rounded, uh, grindy fighter in Ashmoss. What's your take on this one? Uh, I'm going to lean with the dog on this one, man. The plus 240, I think, is a steal in this fight. I think this fight's a lot closer than people are giving it credit for. I think Sam Patterson is getting like, a little bit blown up coming in here. From everything I saw from this guy, man, he is very, very sloppy. Like, he's one of the guys who gets these finishes, but he gets taken down easily. He gets tagged easily. Like, 
every single fight, man, he's got to get his ass kicked to get himself back into it. And that's just not a guy that I trust with that type of price tag. Um, so I'm gonna lean with the dog here, man. I like um Jesus Christ, I didn't pull this up. I need um I like very decent wrestler, and I think he'll be able to ground Patterson and be able to kind of stay away from like the submissions that uh Patterson has presented in the past. So yeah, there's there is a little bit of submission um threat there with the leverage he has with the, the, the length that he has as well too but man he doesn't use his range well and, and talking to patterson and man he doesn't use any defensive wrestling on a cage well with his with his long arms as well too and his height just doesn't doesn't seem to be there and i think i see what you see in a little bit of tape that i did did watch um and at that that i was already thinking at that level coming into the ufc and, and not too many fights in uh, patterson's had what one fight how many Fights to get in the UFC? Contender series fight, that's it. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, for me, um, with the line being so wide, I already would look at maybe touching the dog. And we may make this a play of the week. We'll, we'll call it maybe not necessarily dog or value or whatever, but we'll, we'll figure it out. But this might be a play because he does look sloppy, man. Patterson, it's just he doesn't put it all together and he has to put a grind out to a decision. So, um, I like the dog money on that one. I'm with you. Muhammad Makayev coming in minus 649 at Betway. Versus Rafael Fijo, plus 550 at BetMGM. Um, there's no real mystery to what we're looking at. We got Makayev, 8, no. Uh, Rafael Fijo, 14, and 2. And when I say the mystery, I mean Makayev. He comes in, he's got this dominant explosive wrestling, sort of throws guys around. But he's had some things that I've seen. You know, as the fight progresses on, as he starts to gas just a little bit, some muster comes off some of the punches. He gets a little bit sloppy in some of his grappling exchanges. And I mean, I, a lot of people are saying he was just really bad in his grappling exchanges. No, Malcolm Gordon actually is that good a jiu-jitsu player. And everybody sort of fades him on that, really doesn't pay attention to how good a jiu-jitsu Malcolm Gordon is. Um, so for me, I just, I don't know. He, what do you feel? Like, you could see him being exploited. I know that he's, he's going to ride in this fight. I know he's the pick. But man, his lines need to start getting a little bit tight. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I think... If you look at his opponent, like his, his opponent, um, he's a, fa a fast fighter, opportunistic. He's, he's going to be able to move in and out and, and potentially stay away from some takedowns at points. But he's going to get his back taken. He's going to get slammed down. It's going to happen. Like I don't think he's going to be any different from anybody else in this situation. And I think maybe he even gets taken out um, in this fight. But I'm not really putting too much work into this one. I, you know, I did watch takes. I wanted to learn more about his opponent, but. Mock, or, or sorry, uh, Makayev's the pick, but I'm just sort of going to stay off this one. Yeah, it's kind of just a bad matchup for his opponent here. Like with Makayev, we know exactly what he's here to do. Um, and at the end of the day, what you feel, Fiala, like he's a good striker, but he doesn't have the greatest wrestling. It's just, I feel like Makayev's just going to be able to get him down early and often, and he's probably going to be able to get a submission. He, This guy's going to face the greatest level of competition. Um, and once again, like this is just, you know, there's a reason why the why there's a reason why the line is wide, and we will get our time to fade Makayev. I just don't think it's this one. Yeah, I would agree. And um, for me, I think the last fight more was a testament to Malcolm Gordon than actually how like where Makayev is at. To be honest, um, a lot of people still fade Malcolm Gordon. I don't know, man. This is definitely an interesting one coming up that we'll be talking about as well too. Um, but next fight on the card, we have Lerone the Miracle Murphy coming in 11 0 and one. Um, Coming up against Gabriel Santos, 10-0-0. Right now, the line currently sitting. I don't have a line. What's the line? You want to do line? Do it up. There is no line right now. This fight, they haven't dropped it since the fight okay. right now. Take it away. Um, well, this is going to be a little Murphy spot, man. Like, 
has a great amount of has a good amount of submission. If I remember necessarily, I just recently did a little bit of tape study on him. He's the LFA champion right now. Um, he's got two finishes in his last two fights. He's got decent wrestling, good striking. But like Laurel Murphy's a motherfucker, dude. This guy's striking is so good, carries so much power. Um, I feel like whenever they drop the line, I don't think it's gonna be too wide because people will know who this guy is coming in. As I said being the LFA champion, like he definitely has some sort of recognition. He's not just some regional scene bum, but I definitely um Laurel Murphy all day, man. I think he gets him out of there and I think he adds a L to his record. Do you think they can get uh Murphy at like minus one sixty? No, let's see. Let's see. I'll check. Actually, you may be close. You may be close. So they have one line out, which is on ref, which I think is just where they, I think that's the opening line. And they have Laurel Murphy at minus 159. That would be a podcast play. Whenever it opens up, I. Whenever it opens up, I do not know what we're actually going to line on on stateside books. Yeah, no, I get it. It'll be, it'll likely be up over 200 by the time um, we get to touch it. So. But uh, maybe we're digging for plays. But uh, but yeah, like I said, this was one I didn't really get to tape too much. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, outspeak and, and, and talk some shit. And when I don't know what the hell is going on. So I didn't get to tape Gabriel Santos. I know what the Roe Murphy brings to the table. But uh, I do sort of trust you in your breakdown on that. So depending on where the line is, we might touch it. But uh, either way, we will move on. Next fight in the card, we have Christian Duncan, minus 182 at Cool Bet. Best bet stamp bet, 7-0. Dusko Todorovic, plus 165, DraftKings, 12-3. I mean, with Dusko, he's a guy that we, we know what he wants to do. He has some pretty solid striking, but at the same time, he's not very defensive with it. He's powerful, um, but leaves his head hanging out there. I faded him in his last fight against um, Wright. I thought maybe Wright might be able to touch him because he left his head out there so much. And Wright was able to touch him up a little bit and even grapple him. So um, this is an interesting one. I think with what I saw um, from Duncan, he's just a chaos creator. Um, he likes to just throw wild, get in there and touch you. And once he touches you, he's just very, very, I, I use the word all the time, opportunistic, but he, he's on you. And although it's sloppy and at times Dusko might be able to touch him, this one, I think definitely, I don't think it's going to distance. That's for sure. But I, I sort of see why Duncan's a favorite, but I think this line's starting to get away from itself. Um, I'm not a big Todorovic backer. I think if he just leaves his head exposed, I think he does go to sleep in this one. So I may go on the other side of it, actually, even though this is a guy who's, would I normally, I would call a show me spot. Um, I may look at Duncan as uh, finishing Todorovic inside the distance by KO. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. I do not like uh, Dusko. I do not think he's a UFC caliber fighter. I think he's just one of these guys that's pretty much has going to be on the chop block at any point. Super low volume. Not a great wrestler. Like I said, as we just said, like, the dude got taken down by Jordan Wright, of all people. Like, um, I like Duncan a lot in the spot, man. The guy's got great striking, good wrestling. And as much as it's a show-me spot, they put this card together, or they put this fight together because, you know, where this fight's taking place, it's a fight that he's supposed to win. And I think he does, man. I think he probably gets him out of there and probably gets him out of there in the first round. Okay, I think we have a first spot where we saw the same thing and um, we'll make Duncan potentially where the line goes. If the line gets to a point where we can make it manageably a, a money line play of the week, we will hit it. Um, so it'll be pending right now for that. But I, I like maybe Duncan inside the distance. Sitting at minus 110 right now. Mm. It's tough. I like plus money. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. 
to have a guy on a show me spot to, to be betting a prop to not get plus money that that hurts me a little bit but um either way i think duncan's aside depending on where the line goes we can make this an official spot by the end of the week i will have it up of course like we usually do friday um next fight on the card we have canadian boy the one that everybody wants to fade but the one that probably put up the best performance out of all fights that um Muhammad Makayev has been in, in in Malcolm Gordon. And I don't want to make him the gauge that Gordon sits on, but it's just really a lot of people are fading him in, in what was a very hugely wide line and what was a lesson to a lot of people that uh, you got to be careful with the hype because there's holes in everybody's game and the fight is a fight and wide lines are scary. So so right now we have Jake Hadley, 9-1-0, and coming in as the, uh, the favored, minus 350 at FanDuel. We have Malcolm Gordon coming in, 14-6-0, the Canadian um gordon right now plus 300 at caesars is the best bet stamp bet for gordon and man this is a this is a tough one man because i i don't know if i'm going to be biased in a way that's in two ways because i've been waiting to fade hadley and i think that hadley at times has shown poor fight iq shown that he's gassed at points but does have all the tools and is at a level his striking's there and his grappling obviously we know is there um but so is gordon's and i think if this plays on the feet this line is actually going to be a lot tighter. And I, I just think with the camp that he's coming out, out, of, uh, out of London, those boys know how to bang. And at that line, I want to fade Hadley. And I, look, I, I'm, I'm battling with this one right now because I know it's, it's a typical homer play for Cal. But, and I know I've been chasing dogs a lot lately and looking at dogs. But I just think that if you disrespect Gordon, even on the ground, this is interesting. And I think that even if it went to decision, it could get greasy. And if Hadley shows mental breaks again and, and starts to throw a hissy fit in the middle of the cage, this is a tight line, man. And I'm almost talking myself into it right now. Malcolm Gordon's BJJ is top-notch, man. And he does have power in his hands. He's left himself open at times. We know it. But, man, I don't know. This line goes, it's already at plus 300. I, I, I don't know what to say. What do you think on this one? I get, you know, when a guy's coming to UFC with hype out of Canada and doesn't quite, you know, translate the way it did, everybody wants to just not back the guy. It's bullshit. I just, the line's so wide, and he showed his talent in his last fight, so. What'd you take on this one? Obviously, I got my blood boiling, so I'll just sit back a bit. Jake Hadley, Malcolm Gordon. I'm just so sick of listening to podcasters that never have held pads. That like I, I'm not saying I'm any much better, but I, I've held pads. I've struck. I've sparred. Some guys that like can't even get Cheetos out of their fucking mouth before they do a podcast, and they're talking shit about fighters on a such a level. It's just okay. Step in and spar with the motherfucker. Then. Anyways, <laughs> take it away. Also not a home play for me, but I also don't like Jake Hadley at all. I don't think he's good. I didn't like him coming into the UFC. I will fade him every chance I get. Um, that being said, this fight's going to be strictly a wrestling match, right? That's how you, this fight will probably play out. Malcolm Gordon has a yep. black belt and BJJ, and Malcolm Gordon by submission is plus 1,200. Um, Malcolm Gordon almost submitted Makayev twice. Me. Talk to me. So, so that's, that's I've been looking Talk at that me. line. I've been waiting for. I just checked it out. Right, plus twelve hundred. Malcolm Gordon by submission. I'm all in on it, man. I think it's a okay. great line. All right, you found my way to a Gordon play. <laughs> I love you, because I, I although at plus three hundred is still good value. Um, there's still Hadley is that level, and ah, all right, submission. I like it. I like it. Plus, are, it's a little sprinkle. It's a little sprinkle. But I said if this fight's gonna contest in the wrestling. I said, I don't think Jake Hadley's that good. And he's going to be one of these guys, if he gives Gordon a position, Gordon's going to get it. He almost did it against Makayev, who's a much better grappler than Hadley is. 
And Makai may have been able to not tap, but Jake Hadley's going to tap. So you give me that plus if 1,200. Gordon, if Malcolm Gordon takes the back, Jake Hadley taps. All right. Yeah. I can see it, man, because at plus 1,200, you feel pretty good if Gordon gets on that back. Yeah, 100%. Man. It, man. And, and uh, I'm glad that – I don't care. We'll call it a homer play. Everybody can, everybody can kick rocks and suck a dick. Um, <laughs> we'll go with Malcolm Gordon by submission, plus 1,200. It's not even a round. That's crazy. I'm in. We have Joanne Wood, uh, 15 and 8. She is the favored, minus 163 at Betway. We have Atlanta Carolina, plus 160. Could you had Dog at Caesars, 8, 3, and 0. Uh, I thought that Wood had retired. I wasn't sure. Um, and we've sort of felt that way in the last couple of fights. And I know that I don't want to start a breakdown with something so simple, but it almost puts the nail in my pick on this one right away. I, I think that Wood has sort of been... Seems like she's not in there anymore. I mean, who knows? Maybe she had a rough couple of camps. You never, ever know what's going on. Um, but it just seems like maybe at this point in her life, maybe this is it. I don't know. Because uh, there is a lot of women coming up behind her that have caught up to her. And uh, she seems to get tagged in a lot of her fights. That being said, Luana Carolina has sort of let herself get out of fights as well, too. Not utilizing her range as well as she should. Um, she is a little bit harder to take down if Wood wants to try to take her down because she can use her length. But So, yeah, man, what's your thought on this one? You take it away. I think this one's a greasy man, to be honest. I'm not going to side with Luana Carolina, but I'm also never going to bet on Joanne Wood until she can get a win back in the UFC. Luana Carolina is a good Muay Thai striker. She's very good at implementing that kind of striking style. Um, Calderwood, Wood, Wood, Calderwood. Um, she's going to have to grapple, I think, in this fight. I think she's high volume enough to win in the striking exchanges. But then, once again, we're going to a real greasy decision. I don't trust her enough where she's going to go there and try and implement a grapple-heavy game plan. So, I don't lean Luana, but I'm not betting Joanna, if you get what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's one of these yeah. fights where, like, I want to see Calderwood get back in the win column, but I don't know if this is it, man. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I mean, uh, although I'm sort of fading wood a little bit, I think that, you know, with against Molly McCann, I thought I, that was the one one of my plays. I think of the week. Actually, I thought Carolina was going to actually be able to to be the one to, to derail the tracks, um, and that did not happen. She did not use her Muay Thai well and use her range well, and she got tied up and caught that I believe first spinning back elbow in that crazy England card last year. So I think it was the England card. Either way, um, all right, we will move on. I think we got our picks on those. We have two more fights left. So we have Jay Heber coming in at twelve four and zero. Oh. Um, against Ludovic Klein, he is 19-4-0. and 0. Um, Klein can be had right now, favored minus 154 at Cool Bets, and Hebert can be had at plus 160 at Caesars. Um, I mean, this is sort of a guy who has two skill sets to a guy who has one. Hebert, really, his play is his striking, and his striking is high level. I mean, you know, he squeaks out that decision, I would argue, against Nelson. Um but Klein, his top-heavy game is there. There's wrestling. There's striking. For me, I just I think it's going to be a fun fun fight to watch on the feet. But I think Klein has the the other option, and I, I just don't see um, Heber being able to answer answer it. But I'll let you take this one away, Jay. A little bit. Who you got? Yeah, um, to be honest, like you figured they'd give uh, Jay Heber a little bit of an easier fight for a hometown crowd. I just think the stylistically it's a bad matchup for him. They want him out. Yeah, Hubert, like he's not a great striker. He's got power in hands, and you know, he almost killed Ilya Depoye, but Ilya Depoye was drastically undersized for that fight. Um, I think that, you know, 
I think Ludovic Klein is just going to be the faster, better striker. I think it might be yeah. close in the first round, but Hubert has a tendency to gas out late. Um, you know, Ludovic Klein's probably one of the more playable lines on this card. And if anything, if you're worried about Hubert catching him early, bet the first round KO or just bet violence because somebody's going to sleep in this fight. Hmm. We'll talk. We'll talk like whatever after the podcast about this. That could actually potentially be a money money line play of the week because I was pretty strongly on Klein with that one. I just think he has him everywhere. Um, I think he'll be able to do enough on the feet and, and maybe outclass him. Not always because you know all he has to do, all Hebert has to do is touch you. Um, but he also does gas. And he showed that against Nelson as well too. He got a little gassy. Uh, strikes didn't mean as much, and Klein just I think rides everywhere in this man. So maybe we make that a play. Um, as we go back through it and do the roll call on it, we'll see if that's the money line play of the week. Uh, next fight on the card, we have Veronica. She's under topology as Veronica Hardy coming in against Juliana Miller. Uh, Hardy, 6-4-1 and one against Miller, 3-1-0. and oh, And, I mean, she's had a rough run in the UFC, Hardy has. Hardy, the dog right now, um, can be had plus three. Where are we? Veronica right now, the dog, plus 360 right now at drafting. Um, Miller, bet 365, or minus 400, the favorite. I mean, this is an epitome of a first fight of the night. You just bet the dog. Um, you know, an entry level to the UFC with Miller in the fight. Um, you may still want to bet the dog, the fate of the Dana White Contender Series or the, the tough. Um, you have, I just, the line's so wide, it's ridiculous. But at the same time, I do think that Miller's – she's a little more violent. Man. She's a little bit more – she wants to land and hurt you. She's a little bit – got a chip on her shoulder. And Veronica looks like at times when she's in her stand-up, she's just sort of there to maybe edge out a, a win of the round. And on the ground, I mean, the, the jiu-jitsu is there, but so is Miller's. And I think Miller is potentially the rightful favorite more for her her push, her drive, her, aggress- her aggressive approach. Um, but that being said, she's a little sloppy, makes her sloppy. And I think if they can game plan enough against her, we, we could see a, a big upset, but I mean, I'm not touching this one as far as, um, uh, I, I really can't t- touch one as far as the side, but I don't hate anybody for going with, uh, Hardy and you know what, for the sake of it, I'm going to say Hardy, the vet exploits the messy, sloppy violence of Miller, but I don't feel strong about anything and I'm not going to touch anything as far as the window. Yeah, like I don't think there's a way you can't lean in that direction on this one. Like nobody's gonna bet minus five hundred on Miller. Like, I, she's three and one, hasn't faced anybody worth noting. She trains at a decent camp, but it's a lot of talk. Like it's so. Yeah, um, I'll start with Hardy as well. Once again, as you said, with no real conviction. It's not a confident play at all, but you're not going to find me parling up a minus 500 with who hasn't been tested at all. Hardy, we haven't seen in a couple of years. Obviously, being married to Dan Hardy, she's training at a decent camp. Like She's getting exposure to guys who are real talented strikers and grapplers. So you got to admit that she, or you got to figure she's putting in the work. And as for Miller, I said she's coming up with a lot of hype, but minus 500 is absolutely obscene, so... All right. Well, I think we, we've got our picks. Let's go down the line and break everything down quickly. So we have Leon Edwards and Usman. And although I'm thinking the value is great there for Edwards, he's also just a really nice hedge. And I think by the end of this, if we can find a parlay, that's a good top of the parlay. Have Usman and then have Edwards as the hedge out. Because um, you may have yourself find yourself in another yawn situation. Um, so we'll leave that as a potential hedge out and, and let that ride where it is. 
the Zeeb Gaethje, we stay off. I think pretty much there's no play. Barbarina Nelson, no play. Maya O'Neill, do you want to touch that one or leave it where it is? Do you want to maybe look at O'Neill later in the week as a play if she gets to a lower line? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. And I said, I like O'Neill a lot, so I'm pretty confident in this one. And then you have a play of the week. I have a play of the week. Your play of the week is going to be Omar Morales um, as a money line play. So that's going to be your play of the week. Or what is the line currently sitting at right now? Minus 115. Yeah, so that'll be your money line play of the week. And then my dog, like my personal dog of the week, is going to be Delita. And that's how I think we could play that and still come out of it good. Um, then we look at the Jack Shore. Maquan Amerikani fight to end by submission. Depending on what that line is, we're going to try to play a variance on submissions. If we have to dig more on a plus money submission play, we will. But just the fight ends in submission, I think, will be a line that we can look at that could potentially be advantageous for you. Um, next, I mean, we're looking at Sam Patterson and the fade of him. I think that this has got to be acknowledged as a value play, but really it's more of just a fade play, I think, than anything. I think that Patterson just, there's ex- exploitation, he could be exploited all over the place. So, um, Yanal, uh, sitting right now at what's his line? A uh, plus 240. So I, I don't know what we can address that as, but I think we're gonna have to hit that as a play. I think that 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 lands to be honest. Um, next fight on the car, or sorry, not next fight on the car, but next play that we'll look at. Um, we have Duncan and Todorovic. Uh, we're pretty high on Duncan, right? So Duncan right now can be had money line. Um, that was a play that we were looking at, so we got a couple money line plays. Um, and potentially inside the distance. So I think maybe we make that the DraftKings um, same game parlay. How do you feel about that? I like it. Okay. And even though we'll put it out as a money line play too for, for Duncan, we'll make it a, that'll be officially the same game parlay. Um, Malcolm Gordon. That is the, the, the tinfoil prop play that we didn't address from last week that almost hit. Um, Malcolm Gordon, although I don't think it's as a tinfoil as, as it is, because the lines do, it's plus 1,200 by submission. That's your one that you looked at. Um, he almost submits Mikhaev to your credit, bringing that up twice. And, you know, we want to find a way to back the, the hometown boys if we can, you know, we don't want to just do it to do it, but that's actually a solid play. I think that Hadley's been exposed and I think that submission's there in live. So we will take a look at that as well, too. Um, little bit quiet is going to be another play. I think, man, I think we got a couple of money line plays, but then if we have money line plays, why don't we just parlay those bastards up as well, too? For sure. Risky or what? I like it. Why don't we go Klein, Duncan? I know we're throwing a lot out of you guys, out to you guys here, but I will. Everything will be put out on Instagram and Twitter as well too. Why don't we go Duncan and Klein? It's gonna be a little. We're gonna, and then finish with Usman. Yeah, works for me. Okay, I don't have the number on that right now. Once again, that'll be put out after, unless you can get it out before we we finish up here. But I, I pretty much think that's all the lines. I mean, I don't hate anybody taking a shot at Hardy, but I would probably just stay off that fight as a, an entry. Um, we'll look at Duncan as the SGP. We think he beats Todorovic inside the distance. We'll take a look at Malcolm Gordon by submission at plus 1,200. We'll take a look at Ludovic Klein at about minus 150, I believe, as the uh, money line play. And Patterson is the fade play. I think that uh, Yanal, although we're not that we're so high on him, I think that he's going to have enough to be able to exploit Patterson, and so do you. So at plus 240, I think we'll take a look at that one. And uh, Maquan Amerikani and Jack Shore ends in submission. We'll wait for that line to drop. My dog play of the week is Roman Delize. His money line play of the week is Omar Omar Morales. And uh, we'll leave it there. For Nick Eagle, I'm Callum McGregor. We like to break down fights. We like to... uh, 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 Fucking Jesus Christ. (laughs)
<laughs> we like to watch tape, break down fights, line our pockets while lining yours. And uh, it's been a fun ride, man. Things are starting to really pick up. We're starting to get uh, a little bit of shine and some fight gyms are starting to notice our, our podcast and start to reference us and some fighters as well, too. So um, we will go out of this note that point deduction almost hit. I will just say it almost, almost. hit last week. That point deduction, he, he was he was already getting a warning. Yon got a warning within the first like minute of the fight. He got a warning for eye pokes. And then as soon as that warning came down, I'm like, man, one more warning. That's it. It <laughs> hits plus 2,000. So that was uh, a thing that seemed like it was crazy, but it wasn't so crazy, motherfuckers. It wasn't so crazy. Um, for Nikki Glam, Callum McGregor, tune into the Don't Have Podcast.